everybody. Um, for those who want to use the Pew Bible, it's on page 1013. This morning we're looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried down to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the Gospel of Christ. Thank you, Logan. Let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you for uh, this time of Advent and we pray you'll be with us as we continue to reflect uh, on the birth of our Lord Jesus and all that meant. We pray you'd help us, uh, give us hearts that are, are open to what you would say to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Songs are incredibly powerful, aren't they? Uh, songs have the, the power to break down barriers. They have the ability to take us uh, t take us to the past and, and help us to recall fond memories. Uh, songs help us to relax. They bring out emotions that we didn't even know existed. Songs help us to learn at different times. Uh, they reflect what was happening at different points in history. Songs can unite us. Uh, someone mentioned at the, the prayer meeting this week the unique impact that Christian songs have had on their faith and how songs have a way of, speak, uh, of speaking deep into our hearts in, in a really special way. And while songs have the ability to impact our hearts, uh, songs can also overflow from our hearts. They can be the outpouring of, of the happenings of our hearts. And that's the case with Mary's song today. Mary was a Jewish woman, and like most Jews, she would have known her Old Testament really well. And it's no surprise then that after the angel Gabriel visits her, and tells her of the child that she will bear in these miraculous circumstances, that this song flows from her heart. 
And it's a song that's, that's grounded in the scriptures uh, to the point that people actually notice similarities between this song and, a, and another song that was sung by a woman who was about to have a child. And that is Hannah's song in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2. Mary would have known these words that Hannah sang years and years before. And she, as she opens her mouth and as she praises God, you see some of the similarities. And you may know that Mary's song is referred to as Mary's Magnificat. I think that's how you say it. And that word Magnificat means to magnify, which is what the, the first words of the song mention. It says, my soul glorifies, or, or in some Bibles it will say, my soul magnifies the Lord. And the reason we're looking at Mary's song this morning is, of course, because Advent has just begun. And the word Advent uh, is Latin, uh, and it means, for, uh, it means coming. Because Advent is a time where we anticipate the coming of Christ into this world, and also when we anticipate Jesus' return one day. Now, it's something that the, the church has celebrated for a long time, and it's a chance for, a chance for us to slow down, uh, take some time as a church, to anticipate Christmas. And some here this morning will, will do that more naturally than others, anticipate Christmas. I've heard rumours of people having their Christmas trees up since mid-November uh, from some people here this morning. Now, the way we're going to anticipate Christmas is, is slightly different. We're going to be looking at four songs in the Gospel of Luke over the coming weeks. Uh, and these are songs of people who were also anticipating the birth of the Saviour. This week we're looking at Mary's song, uh, next week Zechariah's song, and then it's the song of the angels, followed by the song of Simeon. Four songs, and, and Luke's gospel is very unique in that sense. Uh, at the start, Luke tells us that he's investigated things regarding Jesus so that we would know with certainty the things we have been taught. He interviewed people, uh, it's believed he even interviewed Mary, which is why uh, Mary is so prominent in Luke's gospel. But the thing that really stands out in these first two chapters is, is these four songs. Uh, now, if we think back to the Old Testament, uh, in the early days of Israel's history, there were also songs. There, were songs, uh, there was the song of Moses that celebrates the Exodus, uh, God's people being freed from slavery in Exodus 15. And there's a song of Miriam in that same chapter. There's a song of Deborah in Judges chapter 5. And these songs are important because when God did something spectacular for his people, when he delivered them, when he redeemed them, it was normal for the people to respond to these moments with a song, to celebrate what God had done. And there's nowhere else in the Bible where there are so many of these types of, of songs of, of victory and uh, deliverance and redemption and celebration than here at the start of Luke's gospel, when God visits his people in the person of Jesus. And so it's worth us paying attention to these songs in the, in the lead up to Christmas. Uh, and as we look at Mary's song, we see three particular things about God that cause Mary to rejoice. Firstly, that God is mindful of her. Uh, look at the first few verses of the song, uh, verses 46 to 48. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has, been mindful, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Some have described Mary as a peasant of Nazareth. She wasn't an important woman. Uh, many other women would have been more important than her. But as Mary sings this song, we, we see her surprise. She comes to realize that God knew who she was. God noticed her. Uh, 
at Christmas time uh, every year, you might have noticed or seen those uh, British department store advertisements. Uh, they often find a way to our side of the world through the internet, uh, the likes of the Sainsbury's or, or John Lewis, and they all put out these Christmas ads, which are usually quite popular. And I saw one, uh, an Irish one the other day where there's an old man walking through the streets, and as he passes people by, he, he tries to engage them. He, he tips his hat uh, at a couple of women. He passes, but they ignore him. He walks past a man on a bench and tries to get his attention to say hello. But the man's reading his paper and he kind of lifts the paper up higher to avoid eye contact. Now this old man continues on uh, and a couple walk past him with their dog and, and it's as if he's not even there. They, they pay no attention to him. And you can see he's more and more dejected with each rejection. And it's not until later when he's, uh, he sits down at a, at a pub on his own that this dog from earlier notices him and, and comes over and sits next to him. And at that point, the, notice, uh, the owners notice this man as well. And the man's face just lights up. It's a lovely feeling when others notice you. It's a lovely feeling. And, and I suspect that's why Mary must have been filled with joy when she realizes that the God who created this universe has noticed her. He's mindful of her. He remembers her. He's chosen her to be the mother of the Lord Jesus. That's the news that Mary got when the angel Gabriel visited her in the verses before today's verse, uh, verses. And he would do it in the most miraculous of circumstances, a virgin birth. Uh, and no doubt all this news would have overwhelmed her. And so she does what a number of women do when they're processing big news. She goes to a friend's place to talk. Uh, that was the beginning of our passage. Of all people, she recognizes that God has chosen her a humble servant. It's no wonder that her soul overflows with praise for God. And in one sense, her song is a bit different to Hannah's song back in uh, 1 Samuel, because Hannah's song is a, a song of triumph over enemies. She mentions her enemies and, and the ways they've acted. Mary's song is initially a reflection on how God has treated her. God has been mindful of her, and that's what God is like. He's a God who is mindful of his people, people like you and I. Now, that's something that King David also realized uh, in Psalm 8, where he says, What is man that you are mindful of him, that you remember him? Realizing this leads uh, Mary to say in verse 48, From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Elizabeth just called her that, but soon... All generations, Jews and Gentiles alike, will recognize the blessing that this woman of humble means would soon experience. And all because God was mindful of her. Now the second thing that Mary rejoices over is the fact that God is mighty. Verse 49, the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I wonder what comes to mind when you think of might. Maybe you think of the strongest person you know, or the most influential person. Well, God's might is seen in the scope of what he does. And there's so much in this passage and in the Bible as a whole. Uh, God brings down those who seem mighty and lifts up those who are not. Verses 51 to 53, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Now in verse 51, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. Not two arms, just, just one arm. And it's similar language uh, to the book of Exodus uh, in chapter 6, where God sets his people free from slavery by his mighty hand. And it's a description showing that what God does, uh, it's showing us what God does in a way that we can understand. But I think what Mary is doing is uh, she's also showing us that what we consider to be incredible, God does with ease. Uh, I can pick up uh, three or four rubbish bags with one arm, and it's enough to impress my two-year-old girl. Uh, She probably sits there wondering, Imagine how many bags he could carry with two hands. Uh, sadly, she doesn't care. But Mary is looking at, at all that God has done, and she's amazed by it. But she also recognizes the ease with which he does it. That is God's might. And no one is mighty like our God. His might is beyond anything we can imagine. And he uses it uh, in a way that surprises us. He doesn't use it to help the strongest people or the proud or the rulers of this world. He uses his might to bring down people who think that they're mighty. Uh, People like King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. He was a powerful king, but he boasted of his might and all he had done. And in a moment, it was all taken from him. Uh, You may remember God humbled him and he was even left eating grass like the cattle. At the same time, God uses his might to to lift up the humble. And that's what he did with Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph was, of course, sold into slavery by his siblings. Yet eventually, God raised him up to be second in command in in the entire land of Egypt under Pharaoh. Mary was humble. She describes herself in the song as a humble servant. But God in his might could lift up someone like Mary and give her the great privilege of bearing the Son of God And in his mind, God would go on to use this child who had the humblest of beginnings, born in a manger, not in some sort of royal palace. This child who would go on to be hated by those with worldly might. This king who would wear a crown of thorns, not a crown of gold. God would even use his death to show his might over sin and death to save all who would turn to him. As God used his might to lift up Mary, we see the hope that he would lift up all of his people, through this child. Uh, In verse 53, there's one more important thing that God does in his might, and that is send away the rich empty. Uh, I remember hearing a story of a Christian man who had a very rich neighbor, and they got along well, they were friendly, and one day they were chatting away, and God came up in the conversation, and the rich man said, I don't need God, I already have everything. And the neighbor had a, had a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction, and he blurted out, but you have nothing. Because spiritually speaking, this man was bankrupt. And so it is for all who rely on their own might and fail to trust in the mighty one. You can spend this life pursuing anything, the money, the success, the fame, the approval of others, and you may even gain it. But if you ignore God, the mighty one, Don't be shocked if you find that one day he humbles you and you come to realize that it's all counted for nothing. Because even though someone may have dollars to their name, uh, they won't realize what it means to be truly rich until they have met Jesus. 
When a person has met Jesus, it, it changes everything. It even changes the way a person will use those riches. They'll recognize God's might and humble themselves before him. Now the third and final thing Mary rejoices over is that God is a merciful God. Mercy comes up five times in the first chapter of Luke's gospel. And notice who God is being merciful to in this song. Verse 50, he is merciful to those who fear him from generation to generation. Uh, verse 52 mentions the humble, and verse 53 mentions the hungry, uh, which I think is, is more of a spiritual hunger. And those are three things that God causes in us. And we've talked about fearing God in recent weeks, be, being in awe of him, trusting him. Uh, and I want to just focus on humility for a moment. Humility can be as simple as recognizing that we have no right to receive God's mercy. Uh, we, we sung about mercy in that song earlier, his mercy is more. Uh, humility is, is coming to understand that there's no good reason that God should show us to show any of us mercy, and yet that's what he shows us. Uh, there's a story of a, a mother who approached, who approached Napoleon, the, the French emperor in the 1800s, and she requested a, a pardon for her son who had uh, been caught committing the same crime twice. And the emperor replied to the young man's uh, the emperor replied that the young man's repeated offence meant justice in this instance was a death sentence. But the mother responded, but I don't, I don't ask for justice, sir. I plead for mercy. But your son doesn't deserve mercy, Napoleon replied. Sir, the woman cried, it would not be mercy if he deserved it, and mercy is all I ask for. And when the emperor heard that, he said, I will have mercy. And he spared her son. And when we talk about the mercy of God, we must remember that we've done nothing to deserve it. Perhaps that's why Mary is so moved in this song. She realizes that she, like, like all of us, needed a saviour. That's what verse 47 was getting at. But she also realizes that she doesn't deserve the mercy that she has been shown by God. And throughout the Bible, God shows himself to be a merciful God. But never before had God shown mercy in the way he was about to show his people mercy through this child. That's why the start of Luke is so unique with all these songs. Through this child comes mercy for generation after generation after generation. Think of your, your parents' generation, your grandparents' generation, your, your great-grandparents' generation and beyond. All who have trusted God experience this undeserved mercy. And humility can be as little as recognizing that we don't deserve God's mercy. And we might ask, why is God merciful? And, and, and I think we find the answer in verses 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. One of the reasons why Mary is full of joy in this passage is because she realizes the many promises that God is fulfilling through this child. Remember that God had made promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Uh, Genesis 12, God said he was going to make Abraham a great nation. And he also said all peoples of the earth would be blessed through him, which was a massive promise, but one that was going to be fulfilled through Jesus. God's mercy is, is driven by the fact that he promised to be merciful. And God was merciful to Israel, despite the fact that these were people who 
let him down again and again and again. They didn't deserve God's help, but God decides to show them mercy through this child of Mary. And as we're thinking on the mercy of God, are you someone who still realizes that God has been merciful to you through Jesus? Do you still appreciate what God has done for you through eternity, for eternity? It's very easy to take it for granted at times, uh, to be overly proud as if we've done what only Jesus could do. Only he could die for our sin and actually make us right before our God. Only he could do that. The mercy of God leads Mary to rejoice. And as we realize we've been given what we don't deserve, and Jesus has taken the punishment that we do deserve, will we choose to rejoice this Advent? Will we worship God? Uh, Mary does, and it's clear she's the one who worships God. She's not supposed to be worshipped by others, uh, which is where a number of people have gone wrong over the years and, and continue to go wrong. Be careful not to make that mistake. Jesus is the one we worship, and one reason is because of the mercy he has shown us. And as we prepare to celebrate this Christmas, and we remember the joy that comes in knowing that God is mindful of us as his people, mighty in what he does for us, and merciful towards us, not giving us uh, what we deserve, but what we don't deserve. Wouldn't it be good to share this joy with others? In a world where so many people feel overlooked and forgotten, I'm sure a number of us here have, have felt that way. At a time where people are longing for something meaningful and, and something lasting, let's point them to the love and mercy of our God. The one who always sees them, who knows them and who is willing to send his son to this world to die for them. Uh, there are 22 more sleeps until Christmas. Uh, can, I, can I encourage us all to think of one person that we could be praying for in the lead up to Christmas? One person we'd love to come to know how much God cares for them. Uh, one person uh, who we might invite along to one of the services, one of the Christmas services. Because we know that the stakes are so high and we know the joy that Jesus brings. The stakes are high and it's the difference between eternal life uh, with God or eternity under God's judgment. Uh, and I pray that uh, as we uh, celebrate this Christmas period, that many more would come to share in the joy that we have this Christmas. Amen.